Well, hey, good morning, church. It's good to see you. My name is Andrew. For those of you that are new, welcome. Uh, one of the things you may have noticed as you came in is this morning we didn't have our tables with our name tags. And I said, what's going on with that? That helps me. So we're gonna, I asked to keep doing that for a while until I learn y'all's names, which it may be a couple years, all right? So we're gonna, I'm a slow learner. We're going to do that for a while. Um, but I, there's something about knowing the names of the people that you worship with. And so I wanna, I've asked to keep doing that, so you'll see that back next week. This week was a reprieve from that, all right? Um, one of the other things I want to mention before we jump into this week's sermon is YouVersion, uh, the Bible app. We are, we are on YouVersion, uh, so if you go uh, on the YouVersion app, you go to the More tab, you'll see Events, go to Events, and you'll see Friendship Baptist Church listed there. You can follow along if you want to follow along with the notes and have the scriptures and all those things available to you. So that is uh, online, all right? Well, we are in week number four, the fourth and final installment of our God on Film series. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Um, I hope that more than anything, maybe it's caused you to go, okay, the stories that I read and listen to and watch there's themes throughout every good story that point to the best story. And hopefully it's caused you to think a little bit about that. Um, we've been asking the question throughout the series, what, does, what are the themes of these movies tell us about what God is like? And I think that's an incredible question to ask all the time. What is God like and what is, he, what is his character and nature like and how does that affect my life? Um, God is a storyteller, and so we've been asking this question of every story uh, of these big blockbuster films this summer. So week one, we talked about Avengers Endgame, and the, the big idea was that God is in control from beginning to end, right? That the endgame is ultimately in his hands. Uh, week number two, we, we covered the movie Aladdin, and we talked about this idea that each of the characters in that film feels trapped, and they're searching for freedom. In fact, that's the, the, the desire of every human heart is freedom. And what we saw about who God is is that Christ alone brings true freedom, true lasting freedom. Last week, we looked at Toy Story 4, and it's, which is all about lost toys. It's all about lost toys and this pursuit of the lost toys. And what we discovered as we looked through Scripture and what we learned about God is that God relentlessly pursues every single one of us out of great love, out of his great love for us. And this week, we're jumping into uh, the movie, uh, I was going to say Toy Story. We already did that. We, that's the repeat. We're doing The Lion King, which how many of you love The Lion King? This is my favorite, like, Disney movie. I remember when this came out in 1994, which was 25 years ago, um, I did not like Disney movies. I really didn't like movies that included a lot of singing, um, but I went, um, you know, kind of sheepishly with with my high school girlfriend, and I went and saw this, and I was like, all right, this is pretty incredible. And I saw it so many times. I love this movie, The Lion King, um, and it's a great movie for so many reasons. One of the reasons is because of the great soundtrack. I mean, can you feel the love tonight? Come on. I mean, <laughs> one of the greatest love songs. In fact, this is funny. As we were unpacking, we just moved here, organizing stuff and unpacking, one of the things I ran across was uh, this old this old soundtrack, this cassette tape. And some of you are like, what is that? Okay, my kids don't even know, barely know what a CD is, much less a cassette tape. Uh, but I found this and I was like, huh, how funny. I love the soundtrack. What a great soundtrack. Uh, it's a great movie because there's talking animals. I mean, hello, who doesn't love a movie with talking animals, right? Um, incredible. Uh, it's got the voice of James Earl Jones. That's a winner right there, right? Um, 
There, and, and then you move into some of the themes and some of the things you see throughout this movie. You see the, this father-son kind of component, which I'm just telling you, whenever I see a father-son kind of theme in a movie, like I'm, it's waterworks. I, just, I don't know what it is. Uh, we could take off in, in a direction there spiritually. Um, we won't this morning. There's, there's in this film, this struggles with identity. Okay, you see this over and over. Simba, remember who you are. There's this whole thing about identity and who you are, your true identity. There's, of course, a love story, right? Every good Disney film has a, a love story component. I mean, you see the, the lions gazing into each other's eyes during Can You Feel the Love Tonight? I mean, how much more romantic can you get, right? Um, you see this power struggle, which we'll kind of talk about a little bit this morning with the, with the uncle. Uncle who? What's his name? Scar, right? Uh, so you see some of this playing out through the film. And, of course, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, every good movie has a monkey, for my wife. My wife loves monkeys. And so you've got Rafiki, who is one of the greatest characters. I love Rafiki. Okay, so it's an incredible movie for so many reasons. But I think there's a spiritual element to this movie that we often overlook, that we miss. And I want to show you a quick video, but you've got to pay attention because it's going to go fast. I'm going to replay it a couple times, but here's a spiritual component that we often miss in this movie. So check this out. Actual footage of God casting Lucifer out of heaven. You missed that scene, didn't you? Right? It's kind of hidden in there, but it's... Uh, uh, yeah. So let me, let me give you a quick summary. How many of you have seen the movie Lion King? Either old or the new one. Either, either version. Okay? A lot of you have. So let me give you a quick synopsis of, of this film. It's about this lion cub, right, who, who is destined for the throne to become king of Pride Rock, but he has his crown stolen from someone out of deceit, right? But eventually, he comes back and he reclaims his place as the rightful king, and he claims his throne and his place as king over the kingdom. Come on now, amen, that'll preach, all right? There is, there is an incredible theme throughout this, this movie. Here's, here's the big question of this film. Here's what it is. Who is the true king? That's the theme. I see this, this whole thing, this authority thing played throughout this movie because it's all about a king and his kingdom, a king and his throne. And so I want to pray, and we're going to jump into this movie this morning, all right? Father, this morning we are grateful for, uh, God, how good you are, that you are the lamb, but you are going to return as a lion one day, and you are going to take your rightful place as king. And Lord, this morning, as we kind of wrap up this series, as we look at this movie, as we look at your word, I pray that you would speak to us, that every need that is on our hearts as we enter this room, God, that you would quiet those things that might distract us, that our eyes and our focus might be fixed on you. And so would you teach us this morning, would you speak to us more than anything, would you meet with us? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Life's not fair, is it, my little friend? While some are born to feast, others spend their lives in the dark. Begging for scraps.
Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. While others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. Run away, Simba. And never return. <laughs> Take your place in the circle of life. Doesn't that soundtrack just make you want to go out and watch that already? <laughs> okay, you're going to have that song in your head all throughout the sermon. That's all right. Man, you know what? When you look at the Bible, it's really a story of, it's a story of battle. Really from beginning to end, it's a story of kings and kingdoms. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of human players, but ultimately... The underlying story, the real battle throughout redemptive history is this battle between the God of heaven and this one who is a usurper, this one through, who through deceit strives to take the throne, that wants the power, that wants the control, that belongs to the rightful king. And I want us to look at Daniel chapter 4. We're going to look at this passage in Daniel which I think is an important passage. It's, it's a story of a king. He's an earthly king. He's a Gentile king of, of the nation of Babylon. And in the book of Daniel, you see this king who has so much power. And he sees himself as all-powerful. He sees himself as the one who deserves the throne and the authority. And there's something really interesting that you see in the life of of King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so I want, to, I want us to read this story. In Daniel chapter 4, this is an earthly king's dream. So in Daniel chapter 4, look at verse number 4. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. Okay, I was enjoying life as king. Verse 5, I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. This dream freaked me out, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what, what does this mean? Verse 7, then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. Verse 8, at last, Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belshazzar after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, and he begins to explain this. So Daniel was, uh, was again, like we talked about Joseph a few weeks ago in this business of interpreting dreams. And King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he begins to explain it to Daniel, who's been known to be able to interpret dreams. And now Daniel is a, is a follower of God. 
He's a Hebrew. And I want to I summarize this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. We'll call him King Neb, all right? Um, he, here, here's this dream. He sees this tree that's, that's tall and it's, it's beautiful and it's fruitful and it reaches to the heavens and it opens out to all the nations, to the ends of the earth. But then the king says he sees what he calls a watcher or this holy one who, he says, comes down from heaven and he orders this tree to be chopped down. And it's chopped down, leaving only this stump and its roots in the ground. And this is, this is the dream that he has. And this holy one describes a man losing his senses and becoming like a wild animal on the earth for seven years. Okay, this dream would freak me out too. Like, what is this all about, right? And the king is going, what is this dream all about? What is this vision that I'm having? And so... Daniel comes along and he interprets the dream. And so let me read for you in Daniel chapter 4, verse 24 through 27. This is Daniel's interpretation of the dream. He says, this is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, talking about God, who has come upon my Lord the king. In other words, this is from God, this dream. Verse 25, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, in other words, seven years, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, Let my counsel be acceptable to you. In other words, here's what I'm going to counsel you to do, king. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Here's here's what Daniel says is the interpretation. He says this, this tree that you see, this high, beautiful, fruitful tree, this represents you and your worldwide empire, your power, And what he says is, you will lose your throne. You will lose your throne, your authority. You will become insane. You'll become crazy. For seven years, you will become like a wild animal on the earth. But the the fact that the stump remains means that your kingdom isn't going to be totally taken from you. It will be restored. Okay, and this is the interpretation that Daniel gives to the king. Remember the most powerful man here. And he gives him this interpretation. Now, I want you to see the response of the king. All right, verse 28. This shows an earthly king's, not just his dream, but here's his pride at play. Verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, okay, a year later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built, by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. 
Verse 33, immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. So here, here is the response of King Nebuchadnezzar. You see his pride puffing up. He's looking out over the kingdom going, look at all this. Look at all this that I have, that I have made happen. By my power and for my glory, the glory of my majesty. And what happens? God from on high goes, wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. That didn't come from your hand. And immediately he, he cast him out. And now here is King Nebuchadnezzar for seven years who is like a, a wild beast of the field. In other words, he's kind of like Pumbaa. You know what I'm talking about? Like the warthog from Lion King, right? He like, he's Pumbaa. He's like wild beast, eating grass and bugs, you know, squishy yet satisfying. He's, he's out in the wild for seven years. This king who was on top of the world, and now he's a wild animal. Okay, this, is, this was God's response. Okay, he was, this king was deceived. He saw his own power and glory as ultimate and he refused to do what Daniel suggested, which was repent. Come down off your high horse and realize that this power has been given to you. And this was God's response. He makes him into this wild beast. So what happens next? Okay, what's the end of the story? I want you to see in, in verse 34, Daniel 4. This changes him, right? And I don't just mean physically. There's this change of heart that happens. So Daniel 4, verse 34 through 37, it says, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, okay, this is his firsthand testimony. He says, at the, at the end of the seven years, I lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And then what did he do? It says, I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Do you see a change of heart here? The pride has left. There's repentance in its place. It says, verse 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of what? The king of heaven. For all his works are right, and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So you see what happens here. It's, he says, my reason returned to me. His reason returns to him, and his heart, in turn, turns to the God of heaven. And something I just want to point out here is he says, my reason returned to me. You know, a lot of times in the world, it's said that like faith and reason are, cannot coexist, right? They're contrary to one another. What you see Nebuchadnezzar says is, no, when, I got, when my reason came back to me, that is when my heart turned to God. And so those aren't contrary to one another. That's a subject for a whole other day. But he says, my reason came back to me, and he, he recognizes God as the king of heaven. 
He recognizes God as eternal, God as powerful, God as provider, God as just. And it's no longer, hey, I am the hottest thing around. I am the most powerful person alive. All of a sudden, he confesses, he confesses what Daniel has told him and what really the, the Bible tells us from beginning to end. And it's our bottom line for this morning. It's this. Christ is the true king who rules with power and with steadfast love. Amen? Christ is the true king. There's this, this recognition that the king has that, that is this. I now know that the true king is not me. It's the God of heaven. It's the king of heaven. Christ is the true king who rules with power and steadfast love. So here is, here is the big question. This is really a, a, a very simple sermon this morning, okay? The big question of the movie, not just the movie, but our lives, is this. Who is the true king? Who is the true king? Not, not who is the king of Pride Rock. Who is the king of your life? Who is the king of my heart? That is the question. And listen, that is a daily question, right? That is not a one-time question. Because you may have professed Jesus as Lord of your life, like me, 27 years ago. But today, just like yesterday, just like 27 years ago, I have to make the decision to put Jesus as king on the throne of my life. Every single day. This is the question. Who is the true king. So I have this tattoo on my arm, okay, and I get a lot of questions about that. What's, what's that all about? What's the meaning of that? It is a, it's a crown, okay? Um, you see a triangle there, which kind of represents to me the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And really what this, this, this um, tattoo on my forearm is, is it's a reminder for me every single day that I'm living for another kingdom. And that the king that I serve is not myself. It's not putting myself on the throne of my life and my heart, which is the default position. Every single day, you and I wake up with ourself on the throne. Okay, that's usually shown through how many times I want to hit the snooze button, right? I'm in control. This is a reminder to me that my life isn't my own anymore. And it's not about my kingdom. And I'm not the king of my life. That Jesus is the king of my life. Jesus is the one that I've got to put on the throne of my heart today. Because the question that you and I face every single day is who is going to rule and reign in my heart? Is it going to be myself? Is it going to be the desires of my flesh? Is it going to be somebody else's opinion? Is it going to be Jesus? Who is the true king? And so I want to ask you this question this morning. Who is the king of your life? Who is the true king for you? Does Jesus sit on the throne of your life? Some of you have never made a decision to let Jesus rule and reign in your life. And some of you need to come into a relationship with God this morning. But some, some of us, all of us, wrestle with this question. Is he ruling? Is he in control today? You know, the best scene, I think, in this movie, The Lion King... New version, old version. I think the very best scene, okay, think about it in your mind. 
Okay, if you could pick one scene that you would say, this is the best, the most powerful, awesome scene of this movie, you're probably going to be on the same page with me, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's the moment at the very end of the movie where Simba climbs Pride Rock and he takes his rightful place as king. I mean, the music swells. I mean, it's an amazing scene. In fact, in the new movie, um, there's a scene. That, so the, the new school um, Nala is played by Beyonce. And so, of course, she's got to have a song where she does some runs in it, you know. And so there's this new song that's in the movie called Spirit. And if, if you've seen this movie, my whole family, I brought this up. I was like, you, you hear the, the song and the last line kind of rings out. And you're like, what did she just sing? Did she just sing something about the great I am? And she does. Okay, the lyrics literally go like this. It says, so go into a far off land and be one with the great I am. And I'm like, what? Does she know what she's singing? Does Disney know what they've put in this movie? Maybe you're talking about this great far off spirit, but there's only one person that has the title great I am. You know who it is? It's the king of heaven. And so I don't care if they plan that or not. God slipped this in to go, you know who the real king is? It's the great I am. This is on the way to that final scene, the final showdown where Simba takes control and he, he, he ascends to his rightful place. And I, I want to just check this, this clip out. This is from the old film, all right? So let's just take a minute to watch this. Right? I love this scene. And if, if the, the music sounded off, it's because we broke out the VHS copy of the movie. All right? <laughs> uh, 
best part of the movie ends the movie this way. I love it. Well, here's where that theme carries its way throughout Scripture. Because the last and most climactic scene, the best part of the Bible, comes at the end. When you see the man who came first as a lamb to lay his life down for the sheep, he comes again. He returns to take his rightful place as king, but the second time he comes, he doesn't come as a, a lamb, he comes as a lion to rule and to reign and to take his rightful place as king. Amen? Amen. This is the best part of the Bible, the story. This is the climax of the whole redemption story. The coolest part is that you and I get to be a part of that scene. Here's, here's the best part. Here's the best decision that you and I could ever make in this life. It's to give to Jesus his rightful place as king over our life. Amen? The best decision you can ever make is to allow Jesus to ascend to the throne of your heart, to displace you as the one on the throne. Man, that is the best thing you could ever do. And I want to to read you a passage because here's the reality this morning. I'm like the crazy monkey, all right, holding up the king before you, right? I'm Rafiki this morning, and I'm holding up the crazy, I'm, I'm the crazy monkey holding up the king before you. And the only proper response is to leap for joy and to bend your knee. To leap for joy because the king is in his place and at the same time bend your knee. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, it says this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus Christ, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What Paul is telling us is that there is coming a day when the king will return and every single knee will bow before him. But here's the cool thing. We can choose to bow our knee and our heart before him today. Because the reality is there will come a day where, like it or not, we will all bow before the king. But God in his gracious, steadfast love says, you can bend your knee before me today and I will receive you with love and grace. And I will work in your life and through you if you will allow me to be king. And some of you might be here this morning and say, how do I even do that? Every single one of us needs to know how to do this. Romans chapter 10, it says this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you read that line with me again? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, the decision this morning is this. Will you make Jesus 
the true king of your life. Once and for all, today, would you allow him to sit on the throne? Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, we are grateful that you are God who rules and reigns and who, God, just, you don't demand obedience. You don't demand submission. God, you offer us the opportunity to humbly come before you, to bow before you, to surrender ourselves before you, and to receive your love and your grace and your kindness. And so, Lord, we are just reminded this morning that you are the true king. And, Lord, we don't want to come to a place where we're forced to bow down. God, we want to humbly come before you this morning. And we want to submit our hearts to you. God, in the areas where we're tempted to sit on the throne, where we're tempted to put on a crown and try to rule and try to control, God, we submit all of that to you this morning. Because we know that you are the king and that you have power and that you rule and you reign. And God, we want that in our lives as well and in our church. And so, Lord, as we continue to worship you this morning, would you help us to be individuals? Would you help us to be a people who walk by faith, who allow you to sit on the throne of our lives and allow you to have control, who allow you to have your rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords. And so this morning, Lord, we continue to worship you humbly, gratefully, with lifted hearts and with bended knees. In Jesus' name we